Cue up, Cue up the music. The music. And now it's time for News with My Son. And on the telephone, no, actually, on Zoom, Zoom, the host of this show, Jefferson Smith. Good morning, Jadez. How are you? Morning, Pop. I'm doing all right. I am bracing for snowpocalypse. I don't know what possibly we will be able to do to maintain credibility with our Midwestern friends as we freak out about the weather event. But I was talking to a eh, colleague, I guess, is the way to describe uh, the conversation, who is uh, somebody who's partnering on the new project. And she is in New Jersey. And she has said it's the best, worst winter she's ever had. Because the weather has been horrible, apparently, in New Jersey, or at least been lots of snow. But she's at home anyway and working from home. So all it's become is a different Zoom background. All it's become is a different thing to go outside and step into during breaks from work from her home office. So I'm looking forward to snow in the era of COVID. And they say snow's coming this afternoon and maybe tomorrow and maybe Saturday. And maybe the big thing to be worried about is not just the snow, but if you're planning on going up the gorge, they're talking about winds as high as 75 miles per hour in the gorge. So be careful. Well, Dad, this is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. Where when we, we take, take turns, turns typically, you usually takes the first turn. And when you takes the first turn, it's usually a shout out. Do you have one? I have indeed a shout out. I am shouting out this morning for Illinois Congressperson Adam Kinzinger, who, as a Republican, had the courage to recognize that DDT really should be impeached, and who's spoken out on it. And when asked about wasn't he concerned about the risk that it posed to his reelection next year, he said, and I quote, we are asking young men and women to give their lives to defend democracy, our constitution, and our country. And we're worried about our careers? Wow. Adam Kinzinger, you are a credit to the force. Yesterday was the first full day of Trump's impeachment trial. Democrats played videos from the rally of the coup attempt between clips of his supporters storming the Capitol. Impeachment managers made the claim that Trump egged on the supporters and led them to believe the results of the election were fraudulent. There was at least one person arrested who said they would never have done it but for Trump, that they regretted it and thought they were doing it on behalf of the president. Uh, some of that footage from inside of the Capitol uh, had never been seen, including a clip of Eugene Goodman, the officer who was warning Senator Mitt Romney about the incoming crowd. Dad, did you watch the impeachment proceedings yesterday? I did, and I want to talk a lot about the impeachment. Before we dive into that, though, I just want to acknowledge the passing of Mary Wilson, who was one of the founders of the Supremes, marvelous, marvelous black trio, and the passing of Sally Dussman, 
who, with her husband, started the old spaghetti factory more than 50 years ago in Portland and grew to places all around the country, passed at 92. But on impeachment, yes, I did watch it. Uh, I, I watched most of it yesterday. I watched just a little bit of it day before yesterday. I, what happened, I, I tuned in day before yesterday at the beginning of the defense's presentation on the argument as to whether or not the Senate should even be considering the matter, whether or not it was constitutional to impeach someone, rather not to impeach someone, but to try someone for an impeachment after that person had already left office. And this is a very important distinction because this argument is not whether or not you can impeach somebody after they've left office, but only can you try them because the impeachment was while he was still in office. And the guy went about 20 minutes sucking up to the Senate. And that's all it was, just a big suck up to the... And I abandoned it. But yesterday I watched most of it. And Mitt Romney might well have been assassinated because they were talking seriously about killing people. Yeah, some of the footage was pretty harrowing. The I, I had I'd recognized when I think had mentioned on the show pretty confident I mentioned here we talked about briefly that part of the challenge of big trials now part of the challenge of the impeachment previously for instance was that because there is so much more media and social media uh, there's both more and less the less part is that not everybody has a sense of shared experience or sense of shared facts because media is now so much more fragmented. There's an ocean of it without a drop to drink. The other, the way that it is, uh, the way that it is bigger is that now there's so much more information and so many more chances for people to see images and videos so that in the previous impeachment, when they came out with the impeachment trial, not much stuff seemed new. It was important, it didn't seem important that there was new footage. If only for the looky-loos, if only for the people who want to be able to respond, or if only for the people who want to be able to respond to Josh Hawley, who called the prosecutor's case predictable. At least there was some new footage. Dad, anything you learned? I don't think uh, there or was anything that surprised you. There was nothing that I learned, but I was reinforced with a lot. The uh, I I I don't know if I could say I was surprised, but maybe a little encouraged that yesterday apparently most of the Republican senators paid attention and were actually performing their duty as jurors, which starts out with listening to the presentation of the parties. Not all of them. Josh Hawley went out of his way to show his disdain for the entire proceeding by going up into the gallery and putting his feet up on the railing. He, he clearly is wanting to stake out the position as the natural heir to DDT, and to do that, of course, he's got to do outrageous stuff, which, uh, which apparently his Stanford and Yale education does not slow him down from doing. 
But one of the things that makes me very aware of this and, and, the, and the challenge of this, everybody says there are not going to be 17 Republican votes, and that's almost certain. Big question, will there be more than six? I, I keep hoping, I keep hoping that the House managers will bring in a live witness from the White House who will testify what DDT was doing during the first 90 to 120 minutes of the riot and the invasion to to bring out the fact that he was relishing it, reveling in it, because that goes directly to what his motive was when he was ginning up the crowd. And, of course, it's also really important to recognize that all this happened because for not just two months after the election. But for months before the election, he had been saying the red, the election, if he lost, only would have been because it was rigged. And after the election, it only because he, it was rigged. And millions and millions and millions of people believe that. And, and I am seeing a huge challenge to the future. An SSRS poll revealed that 58% of Republicans actually believe that DDT won. 66% believe that he has acted responsibly since the election. And, And I have to ask, if Republican leaders won't speak up on that, if they won't actually at least speak up and say, folks, it was a fair election. There was no fraud. There was no, there were no huge numbers of ballots cast for Biden that shouldn't have been. There were no huge numbers of DDT votes that were cast that were counted. It's just not true. And if the Republican leadership won't speak up that, and we're not going to get that out of the state parties, because the state parties more and more have become dominated by far-right ideologues who just believe anything that DDD says. If, but if people like, like the minority leader in the House and the minority leader in the Senate and governors and, and the and the the members of Congress, if they are not willing to say to the American people, folks, you have been misinformed, you have been misled, there was no bad stuff happening but for which DDT would have been elected. He lost. He lost by nearly 7 million votes. Let's get over it. And if, if they don't do that, I really fear what's going to happen to our democracy. Do you have any thoughts on that? The, well, it's it's why Josh Hawley sat in the rafters. Uh, it's why I mean, he can read a poll. He can read the room. He can understand the nature of the current Republican Party, and he understands the media apparatus, the network propaganda, to quote, to cite Yohai Bankler's seminal work uh, that is driving that, uh, that is driving the the confederates of Donald Trump that continue and will continue to run the Republican Party. Uh, the the challenge is, even if they do speak up, I mean, the way that the network propaganda works is if you 
the, the way that cults work is if you depart from the cult, you don't bring everybody with you. Uh, if you depart from the cult, they just turn their back on you or try to hurt you. So the dynamic that so for so too long has been laid at the feet of merely of Donald Trump, and I've said it again, I said it before and I will say it again, it was important to focus on the president, but it was a huge mistake of the broader conversation to lay too much, lay the dynamic of the Republican Party merely at the feet of the former president. Because we are seeing now that even without Twitter, well, which really matters that he's not on it, but even without Twitter, even without everybody being, even without him being in the White House, still there, uh, the, the hold that the right wing has on the Republican Party and the, their, their media messaging, no matter how counterfactual or conspiratorial, the hold that it has over their voters persists. And ultimately, the only thing that's going to change that is them getting trounced in elections. Uh, they're going to have to lose over and over again. I think that so much is riding on the 2022 elections, because if if that follows the Historic recent trend. historic trend where the party of the president loses seats. If the party of Josh Hawley, Donald Trump, and Ted Cruz picks up seats and they do so with the majority of, uh, with the majority of them thinking that they were uh, wronged in the last election, uh, that does not send a that does not send a good signal, and it will merely re-empower the bad pieces of the Republican Party. I think the only way for there to be any change in the Republican Party is for them to lose elections more than twice in a row. So that's what I'd say about that. Uh, meanwhile, we have a with ne nearly 140,000 voters have left the Republican Party in 25 states in January. Uh, California, where 23,000 registered voters left the Republican Party, 12,000 left in Pennsylvania. 10,000 left in Arizona. Uh, those are relatively big numbers. But Dad, here's the biggest number uh, that I am, uh, that, that is interesting is not the right word, but the United States, here's a Guardian reporting in a new study, a panel examining Trump's policy said the United States could have averted a particular percentage of COVID deaths. Did you see that 40 percentage? 40%. 40%, 190,000 people could have been saved, that, but for his policies, and not just his policies, but the the lack of, uh, attributable to some extent, at least to his lack of leadership, but because the American people were not taking it seriously at the at the beginning. Yeah, one factor it looks like they also they also uh, emphasize the, under, the country under the pandemic with uh, reduced uh, public health infrastructure. We uh, roughly half the share of spending that the United States spent on public health infrastructure as compared to Canada. Uh, that that also yeah the misinformation and downplaying really mattered. Also, in Trump's first three years in office, there are 2.3 million more people without health insurance. Between 2017 and 2018, health insurance coverage rate decreased 
by one and a half points, actually a little more than one and a half points for Latinos. It's roughly 1.5 million people and by about 2.8 percentage points for Native American and Alaska Native people while remaining stable for the white population. So that's the, that to me, the idea that we have a president who based on so far the best analysis uh, caused 150 to 200,000 lives lost. It is, it, it, it has to be with a bullet, the biggest presidential failure in American history. Yes. I mean, is there, what comes even close? Pretty hard, pretty hard to find anything. Well, what do you have next, Dad? We've probably talked enough about the former president. Well, uh, we, the White let, House. let's talk a little bit more about COVID. Go ahead. And and uh, I should I should mention because it's relative to COVID because it's healthcare. The uh, the word is out that Biden is going to urge Congress to make a a major modernization or re-up of of. Obamacare, the ACA, and that is something. Trend, the trend right now is in the right direction around the country. But interesting thing, Oregon, Oregon has done pretty well. And, and I would say that if you look at deaths per one million population, New Jersey is the worst with 2,505. Vermont is the best with 300. Oregon 485, which puts it very much in the top tier of folks who have avoided avoided deaths. So, so that's something that we can take some proud pride in. And tomorrow, tomorrow, if the snow allows it, restaurants can start serving people inside with certain restrictions. Bars can start serving people across the counter with certain restrictions, and gyms can open with certain restrictions. So that's in the state of Oregon, depending, of course, if there are any local regulations that are still more restrictive. But that that is both kind of exciting, but also kind of scary in the hopes that it does not start the trend in the other direction. Vaccines, vaccines are really looking up, but because of the snow, the vaccine drive-through deal at Portland Airport, International Airport, not gonna operate uh, tomorrow and Saturday. As of the last word, the, the convention center is still gonna be working, and I sure hope it is because I have a Sunday appointment at the convention center that I hope to be able to keep. Word is out that at least four pharmacy or four pharmacy outlets are going to get start getting the vaccine. Oregon, Costco, Safeway, Albertsons, and Health Mart. That's kind of encouraging. But one of the one of the interesting COVID stories is that COVID has been hugely good for big tech. Have you caught that? Have you been watching that? I know that the I know that big tech has become hugely more profitable and I know a friend of mine who is a was an investment banker now turned a fiscal priest had made that judgment beginning of covid just because well people aren't going to be able to do stuff in physical uh, so they're going to have to do stuff uh, over the internet. 
but yeah, roughly speaking, I've tracked it. I didn't, I didn't, I, I guess, but I couldn't quantify it. So yeah, if you have data, that's great. Well, I have some data. The the big the big five: Facebook, uh, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple. <coughs> the uh, increased their their revenue by a fifth, twenty percent. Their profits, twenty four percent. Their market cap up fifty percent. So the combined market cap of those companies, eight trillion dollars. Trillion, that is a very, very, very large money. They have made out like bandits. It is a large money. And it is, as my as my old friend who I mentioned before, retired from Twitter, uh, had offered to me, he's come out of retirement to another startup, uh, that those companies and the power that they wield is significantly more power than was wielded by the robber barons at the turn of the last century. That if you that uh, Apple and Microsoft and and Netflix and Google uh, and Facebook uh, are wielding more power than I missed Amazon. Excuse me, I said Netflix than Amazon. Wielding more power than uh, U.S. Steel and the railroads and Standard Oil did in the dawn of the Progressive Era or what triggered the Progressive Era. Dad, I want to correct something, by the way. The whole state was not approved to move from extreme risk to high risk, but 10 counties in Oregon were approved to move from extreme risk to high risk, according to our intrepid research team. Uh, Dad, here's a troubling fact. that You have now, we've had outbreaks within prisons. These are not open-air situations. You can't just open the windows and everybody sells to air them out. There is there are challenges with circulation. You also don't you can't just have people not come into work and stay home from prison because prison is where they have to stay. The fact that prison guards are so likely there's so many that nearly half are going to be unwilling to take the vaccine puts in high relief one of the challenges we face that. By framing vaccinations, by by all of the vaccination misinformation that has been promulgated in the United States, and by social media, and by the way, also trumped up by various boss and trolls, and then overlay that with the lack of seriousness that was taken about COVID by particularly the Trump administration and by so many in right-wing media, that there's also then cropped up this argument that the decision to vaccinate is largely one of personal choice. It is a, it's an issue of freedom. It's hard to, hard to argue about that. It reminds me back to the movie, Thank You for Smoking, when Aaron Eckhart, the lead character in that movie, is talking to his son, and he's, and he, who didn't understand his job, and his job was to do PR advocacy and messaging for the tobacco industry. And he said it was, it was a really interesting scene because I, I had to wrestle with it for a long time right after the short little thing. And, and he asked his son, well, what's your favorite ice cream? And his son says, well, I like vanilla. And the undertone was like, he was supposed to convince, uh, the, uh, convince his son that that was the wrong choice. Instead, what he said was, 
well, I just think people should have a choice of what ice cream that they like. And that is the argument that's been happening with the vaccine. The winning argument isn't don't take it. The winning argument is, oh, we'll take it if you so choose. By the way, lots of people say it's a terrible thing. Probably shouldn't do it. If there's all kinds, you want to listen, you want to listen to bots and trolls, there it's a bad thing. Oh, but of course it's your choice. And you don't have to get, you don't have to win that argument. You don't have to, to get people to smoke. You don't need more than half the people to agree with that. You just need some people to agree with it. To get enough people not to avoid the vaccine that will trigger huge, uh, huge loss of human life, uh, or to and to keep us from herd immunity. You don't have to convince everybody; just a bunch of people. But why it's particularly in high relief in prisons is that the people that a prison guard could subject to the coronavirus is somebody who does not have a choice to avoid it. Somebody who can't leave. It's also probably a little bit of a window as who who decides the prison guard in this country and in our, in our state. But I did want to talk about that one. Anything else on COVID? Otherwise, we might want to move to state local news. It is Thursday after all. Well, okay, we can go right to state and local. I've got some international and national stuff, but we can do state and local first if that's what you prefer. Yeah, I think we should, just so we make sure we do it. Well, something that I I keep wanting to, to, to tell people about, which is local, not state, but it's Pacific Northwest, have you been watching the interesting Easter Day Farms saga in Washington? I have not, not even a little bit. Well, the East, Easter Days is a huge family-owned farming conglomerate. And it turns out that over the last couple of years, they have told their principal, uh, and they feed cattle. And they, they feed them, and then they sell them to a feedlot, or rather to, to a uh, processing company. And it turns out that they claimed that they had delivered about 200,000 head of cattle that they, in fact, did not deliver. And for that, they were paid about a quarter of a billion dollars that they did not earn. And now they own not just feedlots, but they, they, own even, they even own a couple of restaurants. Now they're talking of bankruptcy, but it, what it amounts to is the biggest cattle rustling caper in the history of the world, 200,000 head. Quite amazing. Something very significant. The United States Commerce Department has agreed with Oregon that the proposed Jordan Cove facility for processing and shipping out liquid natural gas would unnecessarily and improperly harm wildlife and habitat, which means that Pembina is probably just about out of options for saving its Jordan Cove processing. We've been talking about Jordan Cove for a long time. Yes, we have. And, and that it isn't going to happen is quite a thing. It is a big deal. Legislature. Legislature is in session. They're managed to survive. Big thing. The special committee that uh, 
examined the peccadillos, alleged peccadillos of Representative Hernandez, has by unanimous vote recommended his expulsion. The Oregonian has editorialized demanding his expulsion. Organization after organization after organization has called for his expulsion. What do you think the odds are that he is going to be expelled? I can't put odds on it. I can't put odds on it. Uh, the I think that's one that I will uh, use your phrase, oft uttered, which is we will wait and see. We do know that in other in other capital news, uh, we do know that the uh, that well, I, I, I want to correct again. According to Capital Insider, twelve counties are going to ease their COVID restrictions loosen on Friday. Uh, state has approved paying $1.66 million for the site of the new National Guard Center in Redmond. Uh, censures are top are top of the uh, top of the agenda in Portland. Deb, well, I should have turned around and asked you the question in case it was a lead in because you had your own uh, percentage. Did you have a did you have an answer to your own question? Do you have a prediction? I think that I would I would say my over under is a sixty percent chance that it's going to happen because so many people are calling for it, and to, as near as I can tell, no important organization is speaking up saying don't do it. Particularly significant is my representative's comment that she's very sorry that it has to be a Latino who gets. The, the first expulsion, but she nonetheless said she will support the expulsion. The fact that uh, that uh, she, from her ethnic background, has made that statement, I think, makes it kind of likely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you may be you may be right. If you've got you've got a four to nothing vote in the committee, you've got uh, twenty six of thirty seven House Democrats. Uh, who have called him? They need a two two thirds vote. Uh, I don't know if he's you know feverishly working the phones uh, to to do a vote count or if he has any friends uh, helping him do the vote count. But if uh, but he would need so he needs to he needs to have twenty one votes on his side. He's only got eleven. Uh, he's got eleven Democrats. So basically, he'd have to find ten Republicans. Who were uh, and, and that doesn't mean eleven Democrats are going to vote with him. That just means eleven Democrats who have not come out and called for him to resign. Uh, the numbers, yeah, I, I think your I think your number is pretty good. And and of course, uh, if he really yeah. wanted to save himself, it should have started with saying, not uh, not saying that he was the victim of a, a racist plot, or not saying that people misunderstood, it, but should have said. You know, I really screwed up, and I recognized that my behavior was just not okay, and I'm never going to do it again. And he has not been willing to do that. Yeah, at some point, we'll at some point we might talk about the the current dynamics of my friend Caitlin Baggett calls this the new Puritan era, and uh, and and made the case the that, that the dynamics of a public apologies have changed, uh, and that. Uh, and that the uh, and even a culture of acceptance of repentance uh, has changed, but we can move that to another day. 
while we're talking about, uh, uh, while we're talking about the legislature, the their proposal to extend the eviction moratorium that would take legislation. There's a bill proposing to get rid of the unlawful assembly statute, which of course has been used by police, especially Portland police, against crowds and, and there's people who suggest that that the use of that has been counterproductive. A, a study that's just been come out, a, a report of a study says that Portland Police Department very poorly trained in crowd control. Those go together. So that legislation is something to watch. Also something to watch is who is going to wind up doing the redistricting for both Congress and the state legislature because the data is slow to come. Will it be the legislature? Will the data come in time for the legislature to do it? And will the legislature be able to do it? Or will it wind up with the Secretary of State? What do you think the odds are on that one? I, I, don't, ha I don't have the odds because something occurred to me, and I apologize for doing this badly, but something else occurred to me about the dynamics of the censures and or removals that, that Republicans could be thinking about uh, about the dynamics when it comes to Nearman when they vote on Diego. And that if, uh, and that could cut either way, but there might be, this is what I'd be watching for and listening for. I haven't heard it yet, but this is what I might be watching for or listening for in the next few days which is for prominent Republicans to say, any Republicans to say, there is a device for removal of an elected official. That device is called an election. Uh, the, there was an election. Diego uh, Hernandez won the election. There will be another election at the duly appointed time. We need not, we, we need not, uh, we need not sit here in, uh, to make this decision to over rule the will of the voters and I can imagine them say, making that argument to save Nearman and if that happened if you got all if you got every House Republican or most House Republicans to be against removal then uh, then Hernandez, Hernandez would stay so that's the one that's the one dynamic I guess if you want to understand the dynamic but now I stepped on your question dad uh, why don't you answer your own question <laughs> well, I was looking to you because you have, because of your experience in the legislature is greater than mine. You had four years and I, I had as a member only nine months and as chief of staff to the speaker, a little over two years. So we shall see. Some, some other state and local news I think is significant. The state, uh, the state has a, a, a $65 million pot to spend on buying facilities, buying or leasing facilities for homeless. And the first one is opening in Ashland. It's a Super 8, former Super 8 motel that's opening in Ashland. That is going to be an interesting experiment. Uh, I'm going to be really interested to see how that happens because how how they will how they will do with getting those homeless folks who take advantage of the lodging to also take care of the lodging that they are taking advantage of. That's going to be interesting to watch. 
there are vandals who are hitting Asian stores, Asian restaurants and stores in in Multnomah County, and that just that just angers me, disappoints me. What are what are those folks thinking? This is America. This is America. Oh my goodness. A study. Cliff Bance, Go ahead. Cliff Bance voted against the ban on the QAnon backers serving on House panels. Cliff Bence continues his uh, track record of uh, standing with that wing of the party. He voted to stand with Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia and voted against the removal of her from her committee assignments. Uh, that reminds me a little bit of the dynamic that happened with Nearman. Uh, but you were about to say something. Well, I was, I was going to say that a study that was commissioned by City of Gresham has a report back, and the report says that the, port, the Gresham Police Department has a hostile environment towards people of color. It was particularly notable in the winding up of finally a black uh, black member of the force resigning, that uh, efforts to do something about it in the past have not worked. Gresham needs to get its act together, and I'm hoping that that the new Gresham City Council, which has uh, a couple of persons of color on it, will be able to do something about that. We already talked about the storm warning. Everybody be care about that. Everybody be careful about that. Oregonians owe $378 million in overdue rent. Experts, though, are warning that the cost of the eviction moratorium could be much higher. In fact, PSU's Homelessness Research and Action Collaborative released calculations outlining the downstream costs of evictions. Their calculations estimate that evictions and the associated cost thereof related to the pandemic could be $3.3 billion with a B dollars. Associated costs include emergency shelter, inpatient medical care, foster care. Currently, 89,000 households owe back rent. That number is expected to grow. The burden falls disproportionately on communities of color. 40% of households at risk of eviction are belonging to BIPOC human beings. Oregon's eviction moratorium expires the end of June, Pop. 89,000 and climbing, I suspect. Other, what, what other, which is sort of straight local, but also national, maybe could be a segue back to national. Our senators, Ron Wyden and Jeff Merkley, have jointly proposed a major increase in the mileage of Oregon streams added to the, the national wild and scenic river system. That's something to watch. And that just allows me to comment. We are really fortunate to have two senators who, as near as I can tell, do not view themselves in the slightest as competitors for the affection of Oregon voters, but who really work as a team, who like each other, and who never do anything 
to undercut each other. And it's a, it, it's a really neat thing to watch. And this is particularly because my first experience with Oregon senators was when I was much younger than I am now. And there was a serious ongoing conflict between the two senators from Oregon back in the day when I was working on Capitol Hill. It is my compliments to Jeff and Ron. Billy Williams' dad is among those that President Biden has requested to step down. We assumed that was going to happen. Billy Williams was did not necessarily cut himself in glory during the protests, or at least received significant criticism during that. Uh, also, we didn't have a great result with the. Uh, it, it was, who was the lawyer? Yeah, the our U.S. Attorney's Office didn't have a great result in the Bundy trials. So it was unlikely Billy Billy Williams was gonna, and he he was one of the the U.S. attorney. He was one of the almost all U.S. attorneys who have been asked to submit their resignations, but not not the one that was commissioned to investigate Hunter Biden, and not the the D.C. one either. Uh, I I was a little surprised that a couple of Democratic senators expressed dismay that they had not been warned or their advice had not been asked about the canning of the the federal attorney, the U.S. attorney in their area. I would have thought that the Biden administration would have been sophisticated enough to always have touched base with at least the Democratic senators, if not all the senators, about their thoughts of whether or not a U.S. attorney should be kept, but that uh, that's out of the bag. There's an interesting... Is there anything else in the national legislation you want to talk about? Because there's a couple of things I want to mention. One of the things that... The huge challenge, the huge channel for a new administration... That question. WAPO, that's Washington, Washington Post, has... It says that there are about 1,250 appointments that the incoming president must make that require Senate confirmation, 1,250. That they, they identified about 790. 494 of those 790 have no nominees only 31 are actually being considered, and only eight have been approved. Holy cow. The, uh, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Over 4 million ebooks were circulated through Multnomah County libraries, setting a record. Our library is ranked as the 10th largest in digital circulation in the world. This is largely thanks to the app Libby. Which provides ebooks from local libraries. 2018 data showed Multnomah County Libraries ranked number two in circulation nationwide. Our libraries made all of that easier by doing away with late fees. So shout out to Libby. Shout out to our local libraries. We love the library, and our libraries do a great job. Nice with the digital circulation, and you know it's a great what a great way to. 
What a great way to get books is go through Libby. Dad, you probably haven't checked out Libby before. Well, I I have not checked out Libby, but I continue to check out books. Most recently, on Sunday at 10.30, I went to the Hollywood Library to pick up a book that I had put on reserve weeks ago. I was, when I put it on reserve, I was something like the 23rd in line for the book. It is Andrew Weissman's book, the Where, Where the Law Ends. It's his story about the Mueller well, it may be too hard to call it a fiasco, but it is it is depressing, depressing to read. Three Portlands have died from fires in makeshift shelters this year. Just a half a month and a half in, excuse me, already homelessness has resulted in the death of some Portland residents. Most recent was Tuesday night when a twenty seven year old man died in his shelter on North Columbia Boulevard with cold weather approaching. Today, city officials are working to prevent any further death. So thank you to the people who are doing that work. Dad, it is just about time for a straw in the wind, but are there any big stories that you really wanted to talk about around the country, around the world, that we need to get to in the next minute and a half before we do a straw in the wind? Oh, well, my clock says we have a little bit more time than that, but, if you, but you're in charge, or if we only have a minute and a half. Well, something that I want to comment on is that... Facebook has said they are going to clamp down on political content. content. The, uh, the, they and Twitter have, have, are apparently outsourcing their censoring. There's really an effort for that. And I wish, I, I really wish we had the ability to show this cartoon to people, but I want to share it with. It's it's, it's, Just put them up next to the microphone. Yeah, well, I'm holding it next to the microphone, microphone. and here are the pictures. Okay, the first good. picture shows a young man rubbing a bottle, a, a bottle, and out comes, poof, out comes a genie, and the genie says, Hello, good sir, I will grant you any wish. Hmm, I think I would like a wonderful world where people of all races and creeds and nationalities can share ideas and communicate freely. Very good, sir. I hereby invent the Internet, a tool for just that. Oh, wonderful. And that shall give birth to this thing called social media. Is that good? Where everyone can say what they want without any checks or gatekeepers. Wait, wait, that doesn't sound good. And no one will know what news is true or not true, and everyone will be confused and angry. No, wait, stop! which bad people will exploit and back in the bottle, back in the bottle. And that's how it all happened. Come back, Walter Cronkite. Yes, whoever he is. That's my editorial. It was all because of a genie. All because of a genie. It was all because of a genie. Uh, Uh, The uh, Portland police supervisors are lacking training in crowd control tactics, according to the National Police Foundation, Portland police continuing to receive more criticism. Uh, Dad, any other national? I think it is actually now about time. Well, just just just, just one other one other technological thing that Facebook has said they are also not going to allow any more anti-vax material. And when somebody searches for a debunked claim, they're going to send them true information. So that's encouraging. And yes, I do have straws in the wind. And I'll just say, Dad, I just found out the sister of my ex-sister-in-law 
as an anti-vaxxer and that that was a that was a bummer that was a bummer to find out man there's the people in the people in the immediate circle who are trying to and 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 I and, and what they're doing, what they're doing is now because you know the, the anti-vax circles like communicate with one another, right? I mean, they they have little communication groups, and because they know that uh, that we know they know there's a crackdown on the information, what instead they're doing is posting on Facebook, say, hey, I'm not going to post about vaccinations. Just direct message me, and I'll share my research. And they're and they're that's how they're getting around. That's how they're getting around some of the attempts to check misinformation. But anyway, go ahead with your straw in the wind. Straw in the wind number one. Like a straw in the wind. Tesla is going to take bitcoins. If you want, you can buy a Tesla with bitcoins. General Motors has said it's going to have electric cars only by 2035. Republican congressman in Idaho, Mike Simpson, a Republican congressman, has proposed shutting down all four Snake River dams. Get rid of them to save salmon. That's a big straw in the wind. And last, the Writers Guild of America has succeeded in bringing to their knees the three big agencies, the Writers Guild of America members, all fired their agents and the three big agencies which had 70% of the agents have agreed they're going to no longer mistreat the Whiter's Guild members. Big straw. Well, we did it one more time, Pop. We did it indeed and we will be back on Monday. Love you, Dad. Love you too.